Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This episode is brought to you by Lifetime's Robin Roberts Presents Mahalia. From executive producers Robin Roberts and Linda Berman comes the biopic of the legendary Mahalia Jackson. Grammy Award winner Daniel Brooks stars as the trailblazer whose music moved, inspired, and changed people's hearts. Critics have praised Brooks's transformative performance into the Queen of Gospel as thunderingly good. Directed by Kenny Leon and written by Bettina Jillowa and Todd Kreidler, this Lifetime original movie continues to inspire viewers and highlights the ongoing fight for social justice. Robin Roberts presents Mahalia for your Emmy consideration in all categories. Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Deadline's New Hollywood Podcast. My name is Dino Ray Ramos. And I'm Amanda Nduka. And so for this episode, we have actress. Her name is Krista Rodriguez. And she's all, she's actually starring in the new Netflix series, Holston. Um, yeah. It's about the, the fashion designer. Yeah. And I, she plays. She plays Liza Minnelli, you guys. <laughs> the legend. And- the legend and also having the conversation we had with her was so fun yeah and also i i, I want I, I don't know if this is me assuming but it's like i i like it when i we talk to people from the theater world because it yeah. feels like there's a different energy there right yeah so she's she's been in so many different theater productions i mean uh, uh i think she, she was she was part of in the heights Spring, in Awakening. A Spring Awakening yeah. and she was she was on the show Smash for yeah. you smash heads out there right. so, so yeah she's done she's done so much work but you guys I think she kills it as life she does the, the, and the definitely it's on right now on Netflix if you haven't watched yeah, it. yeah. and Why the fact that she's of Lat, Lat, Latinx descent yeah kind of is a big deal and we talk about kind of her uh 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 navigating her cultural identity right. which is very interesting i just burped i don't know if you heard that sorry <laughs> i think there'll be people will be fine um yeah guys and, and and i honestly didn't know any i for some reason i never heard of holston but after mm. watching the show i'm like i've definitely seen holston brands somewhere maybe in like yeah. Penny. maybe I just wasn't really paying attention but his story is really interesting it's um, interesting and it's sad kind yeah. of and it's played by Hugh and McGregor who yeah who I have a crush on and we talk about that too uh, yeah we talk about Dino um crushing on him and, and I guess thirsting should we call it <laughs> yeah that's fine that's oh, I'm a hoe I'm a big hoe <laughs> so, yeah, it was a really good conversation you guys if you haven't seen the show I it's a really good show I recommend and just like the look of it, I, I just kind of love the, the glamour of it all. It, it's so fun. And I, I like a good period piece. Like yeah. I love seeing how, how the world is depicted back in these, you know, these times where we weren't alive. Yeah, <laughs> this is what it, it, for those of you who don't know, this is during like the Studio 54 era where it's like caftans and just gl- everyone was doing drugs. And- right, partying, drugs. Party. Like- hardcore but it was fun um yeah yeah. without further ado here is Krista Krista thank you so much again for being with us today 
like Dino said, we were very excited to have you and excited about this show, Halston, oh, um, on Netflix. Gorge! <laughs> yes, we'll get to that um, a, a bit later. But first, we, we like to kind of start off asking about, you know, your background, what brought you to this industry. Um, so for you, was there a moment in your life that you realized, I need to, I, I want to be a performer? I wanna yeah, I mean, there's a like? lot of like small moments leading up to it, where when I was a kid, I saw Annie for the first time. I always say that Annie has been ruining lives since 1977. It's just like, you can't see Annie without being like, I want to do that if you have any proclivity for performing at all. <laughs> because there's like a girl your age and there's a dog yeah. and it just, it was, it was too much for me. <laughs> so that was sort of where I knew that something, I wanted to be surrounded by theater. And it wasn't until I had, I was like 12, I was doing a, um, dance recital at my like dance studio and I got in the car with my mom and I was like mom I just love the smell of the theater there is no other place in the world that smells like this and like every theater you go to has that same smell and and now, now I know it's mold and lead-based paint but like at the time it was like magic <laughs> it truly was like nowhere else you go it smells like that and um, it was just such a romantic thing to say at 12 years old, like, I just want to be where that smell is. Yeah. And uh, my mom was like, you know, people do this for their job. And I, I said, what? Like, well, you've been holding out on me this whole time. I'm at the ripe old age of 12. I didn't even know I could be doing this. So from that point on, it was like, yeah. I, I basically like kicked open the door and was like, nobody get in my way. This is what I'm going to do. So was Andy it was the actually first Broadway play that you saw? It was Is that what you said? That came to Orange County, which is where I'm from. Oh, okay. And then the first Broadway show was a year after that oh, that right. I saw, which was Fiddler on the Roof when I was six. And that was also a very, um, oh. very poignant experience for me because I was living in a motorhome with my parents. We were we were like traveling across the country and we like rolled into New York City in a motorhome <laughs> and we wanted to go see. So we got like tickets to TKGS and I'm, it was like, you know, 1990. So I'm wearing like, you know denim high-waisted shorts and like a la gear t-shirt tied at the waist and uh and everyone else which would be which oh, would work now me. by the way right. i can't believe what the kids are wearing <laughs> i wore but um and have, but at the time like you got dressed up to go to the theater so all these other girls are in there jessica mcclintock like you know you know, okay, you know Jessica like their full tool skirts and stuff. <laughs> and I was like, I don't want to go in there. It's so embarrassing. And then the lights went out and I was like, oh, look, it doesn't matter what you're wearing. We're all in the dark and we're all like experiencing art together. So even at six years old, I was, yeah. I was yearning for that collective experience where it didn't matter where you came from or what you looked like. And I think that's something that I still love about yeah. theater that really related to me at that age. That's very much theater. Yeah, yeah, that's very much theater. I honestly, I'm, I'm very ashamed to say I've never been to a Now's Broadway show before. So I'm- Wait, like, you've been to a play though, I've right? I've been to you've plays, been... yeah. I've been to a couple of plays out here. I just Oh, never, but not Broadway physically. No, I've never been oh. to Broadway. Yeah, yeah, no, I've never, I've never done that though. So it's, I mean, I know, it's something that I've been really wanting to do. I, I, I too, I love, I love stage work. I love seeing people. On, I think it's so fascinating that how people are able to, to act and art and do all this stuff like live in front of people. I always thought that was really fascinating. And Eight said, times a week. Eight yeah, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And and Chrissy, you've done a whole bunch of stage stuff, uh, Broadway stuff. Um, Bye Bye Birdie, The Adams Family. Um, mm. Spring Awakening. So, oh, yes. so, so you got, so you very much a stage performer, but then obviously you've done a lot of TV and film things. So how has it been, what was it like for you transitioning from being on stage to doing, to doing TV? Uh, yeah. Um, so I grew up in film. Southern California, which is very LA, you know, very close to LA, very, very TV right. focused, very, um, Disney Channel, everyone wanted to be Lindsay Lohan when I was growing up. So I, while I loved theater and was very enamored by it and was doing children's theater and I went to an arts high school where I was doing a lot of theater, the sort of in the back of your mind goal was to do that TV, that LA thing. And to be quite honest with you, I found it to be inhospitable for um, being a person of color in the industry at that time, especially. Mm. Now there is much more push to want to open up those roles right. for people but i'm you know i'm i'm 
white passing and I have a Hispanic last name in, a, in an area that is, in, mm-hmm. that is primarily Mexican and I'm not Mexican. So it was very confusing to people where I would go. And I, I, I encountered that really hard right away at, at 15 through 17, just sort of not knowing what to do with me. And then um, when I decided to go to college, mm-hmm. I had applied to a couple places and I applied to NYU and UCLA and I got into UCLA first and it was like, well, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to live in LA. I'm going to do TV. And then I got the letter that I got into NYU and, you know, my parents are like, but you want to stay in Orange County, right? Like you want to be in like LA, like you want to be close to the home, yeah? <laughs> yeah. Uh, Orange like, County or New York. New York. And, like, <laughs> and they were like, well, you know, we can't afford for you to go to NYU. And then I like, I got some scholarships. So it was just sort of this like, all these doors were opening to go to New York. It was nice. And so when I made it to yeah. New York, I, it didn't, again, theater, it's such an equalizer at that time was so much more accepting of the me that I was. It was like, I was playing German characters and I was playing Hispanic characters and I was playing Jewish characters and I was playing characters that it didn't matter what their race or ethnicity was. You know, I just felt right. home in a place where people were more um, open to that, open to seeing what we could do as actors because it was more about the work. And so I spent right. years telling my agents, I don't want to audition for movies or TV. I don't, I was so burnt out on that. I didn't want to do any of it. And it was a few years later, maybe about 10 years of me doing Broadway show after Broadway show and sort of you know, at age 24 at that point, almost 25, 26, like not being able to get out of bed without some pains here and there. And I thought, you know, they get two days off a week. You know, like you said, we do eight shows a week. We get one day off. It's exhausting. And you put everything into it. And I thought, let me just give a, let me just try my hand at TV again. And the, and the industry had changed a lot by that point. And as soon as I decided I wanted to, to try it, some doors started opening for me, which isn't always the case. And I feel really lucky about that. And my first TV show that I got was Gossip Girl. Right. And I did got to do like a stint on that. And um, and I, I got to make out with Chase Crawford, which was like a big, a big deal for me. And then, yeah, totally. Like the and like the day after guy. it aired, I was walking down the street and I heard these like footsteps come running up and I turn, you know, through New York City and something's running up behind you. You're not that comfortable with it. And it was this older grandmother with her daughter. And they're like, we saw you on Gossip Girl. Oh my God, what was it like to make out of Chase Crawford? And I realized like, as much as I love theater, more people had seen me in that one episode of Gossip Girl than had ever mm-hmm. seen me in seven Broadway shows at that point. And it's not always about the visibility, but it is about um, making inroads in places that make your options open. So, and I started really liking yes. the work on television and the, and the industry started to kind of accept, you know, not binary versions of who people had to be. Um, it's not perfect by any means, right. but um, it was, it became easier for people to want to cast me. And so that transition became, right. it became really good for my, well, it became good for my stamina and good for my soul because some amazing work is happening on television and streaming and movies and some amazing work's happening on theater. And it's allowed me to be able to just look at the roles. It doesn't have to be like, I can only do theater. Yeah. Or I need a theater piece or I need a movie. I can really mm-hmm. just, and if the great role is on a narrative podcast, I'll do that. If the great role is, you know, in yeah. an indie movie where you get paid pennies, I'll do that. So I've really started to, allow myself to just go where the roles are mm. yeah very cool mm. yeah so it's like the art is the art but it's the same the art exactly. stays the same but the medium exactly. changes that kind of thing yeah um well speaking to that you know you mentioned uh-huh. annie and <laughs> and all that but when did you first feel seen um in oh, media boy. tv or um film? you know it really wasn't until i did in the heights on broadway and I was nervous mm-hmm. because, uh, again, I thought, oh, they're going to, I'm not culturally immersed in where I'm from. I was raised very, um, mm-hmm. you know, very, very, very Orange County, not, not anything else. And, um, yeah. and I thought, oh, they're <laughs> going to think 
uh, I nicknamed my nickname myself Rodriguez, and like they're gonna think I'm you know not in, immersed in this experience. And they actually, the whole cast mm. there were the people who welcomed me the most of any um, group that I had known who, you know, I, I had never, we were, we were doing satyrs at the show because half of the cast is half Jewish, half Venezuelan, half Jewish, half Cuban, half, like that these mm. people have a breadth of experience that isn't just solely from where they were born they are a patchwork mm. themselves. Yeah. And I think it wasn't until I was with other people who knew what it was like to be a patchwork that I felt comfortable with who I was. And so representation mattered mm. to so many people in that show. I knew a lot of girls who were loving their long curly hair that never loved their curly hair before because they were seeing so many beautiful Puerto Rican girls with these like gorgeous manes you know and like and um and the music and to enamor it's like surround yourself in that in that culture and the dancing and the and the family and the the, the roots that all of that has yeah. people were seeing themselves represented and what was funny is that i was finally seeing myself represented in the way that it wasn't just a singular thing and i really am really grateful for that experience yeah. for that yeah, I, I like how you mentioned that when you, it's so weird when you enter a space with people who share your culture. I honestly, like, uh, you get yeah. a little bit more nervous, you know, especially if they're strangers. Um, like, I remember when I first moved to LA and I was like, I'm going to go to all these, you know, Hollywood Asian events. Mm -hmm. And I felt so out of place. Like, it, it, it's weird. But, you know, now I'm like more involved, but it's also just kind of this like, uh, sure, sure. you know, you're the new kid in school. Sure. And you just, yeah, <laughs> but also you're like, oh, do I belong here? But you know, I've, I've always questioned that, you know, you're like, I'll oh, do, do I know enough about being Filipino exactly, to actually exactly. voice being Filipino? And uh, yes. it's like, oh, do I have that right? You know, it, yeah. uh, that's just a whole other conversation. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you know, you've played, like you said, you've played so many people on stage, you know, Wednesday Adams, And of course I'm not gonna, I, I, we can't talk about uh -huh. your career without mentioning Smash. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, you know, you were in Daybreak and, you know, and now you're on Halston. Um, you have such a, you know, a diverse resume and a lot of it's not race specific, but, you know, it, do, do you mind like asking what is your, you know, Well, there is some, makeup? there's some question marks, but there is, <laughs> it is, my grandmother is Spanish and um, she is mm -hmm. also, um, there's some other other things in there that are undefined, but there's um, uh, there's a general <laughs> Hispanic um, culture that I was raised under, and yeah. then my mother is white and English and Irish, and mm. um, my grandmother was a redhead, blue-eyed, um, completely Hispanic woman, entire full, and so she was able to wow. integrate into the world. Uh, she worked in a, a, a factory with other Spanish-speaking people, and she never spoke Spanish. She didn't want them to know she could hear what they were saying about her, and she never taught her children Spanish. And so we're a bunch of sort of, uh, you know, new breeds. <laughs> but it's like you—you you are from this. You—you you have this heritage, like yeah. kind of embedded in. Well, it's in my name, Spanish. and and what's great about like and, uh, you know one of the reasons that being who I am was complicated in um, Southern California was because like I was being seen to play Anne Frank or I was being seen to play, um, the big one was, um, uh, what's her name? Um, Marie Osmond. There was like a movie about the Osmonds. And I was mm -hmm. told at my callback, don't come to the final audition until you've changed your name because there wouldn't be a Rodriguez who would be playing Marie Osmond. Now here I get to play one of the most recognizable women in the world, Liza Minnelli, who is not, you know, she's, yeah. she's yeah. Italian and among many other things. Yeah. And nobody's batting an eye about it, which is a relief, you know, because I did no. change my name and I, because I yeah. thought that's what I needed to do. And the first time I saw my name, not what my name was I thought this isn't this isn't worth it it's not worth it to me to try to calibrate who yeah. I am it's only worth it for me to just say I don't know all of what I am and you got to take that or leave that <laughs> you know 
yes, yeah. Well, yeah, and I think that's what kind of struck me is when you know they announced the, when they announced your casting for for Liza Minnelli. I was all, oh, Rodriguez, a, a Latina playing Liza Minnelli, and I was all, that's progress. No, it, 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 but it was it, it it was just like so striking. So like when I was like, oh, we should have her on, and like of course we watched. Well, I I only watched one episode, the first one so far. Um, uh, I know, and um, I was just like, oh, yeah. and I love that era. And I have this. I, I used to work in fashion, so I love Halston, and like his his story is so like uh-huh. interesting. Um, but yeah, I just I, I I was just like, oh, this is this is kind of cool. Chris is playing Liza, cool. like an icon, and yeah. no pressure. Can you tell us about yeah, how this um, came, came I here? was doing a play and uh, off-Broadway and I had just come off Daybreak and, you know, was looking kind of for what the next thing was. And I got this audition and, you know, when you get, you get an email from your agents and it's basically like, it tells you the name of it. And then you go in, it says, who's doing it, who's producing it, what network it's on, blah, blah, blah. So I see Halston and I already love Halston. I'm like, oh, that's cool. What a great idea to make a story Mm. out of him. Then the next line is Netflix. Love Netflix. You know, that's like, you're gonna (laughs) obviously obviously wanna be on whatever Netflix has. And then the next line is Ryan Murphy producing. And (laughs) I'm like, you know, now the the antennas are going up. Like, this is a sexy project. And then it's Ewan McGregor yeah. playing Halston. And I'm like, oh my God, what is this going to be? And then it says like, you are being asked to audition for the role of Liza Minnelli. And I'm telling you, like uh, my heart just started pounding and like vomit came up into the back of my mouth. And I was like, oh God, oh God, oh God. Because the, and I say this, like the worst thing that can happen to you as an actor is that you want a role. It's like, you have to go on auditions all the time thinking like, I don't care. This could be great. It could be not. Maybe this show's going to suck. Maybe it won't. Or who knows what this role is going to be. Or, and all of a sudden, it's so clear in, in writing that this is your dream. And you're like, it's either never going to yeah. happen or it's mine to lose. And that's, a, that's such a scary mm. position to be in because you're like, I know I could do yeah. this. What makes you think? you could ever do this it's like i i this is mine and i'm never gonna get it. like anne hathaway is gonna be great in this like that's that's what you think and you go okay so the so the pressure is somewhat off although the pressure is also majorly on because of course you want it but the pressure sort of off because you're like there's no way it's gonna be me and so uh all i could really do and and i've had the best successes that i've had in my career have been when the pressure is off to get the part and all I do is care about doing the person justice. And I cared so much about doing mm-hmm. her justice from the beginning, from the moment her name was on that paper that I just thought, regardless, mm-hmm. I'll go in and like, and share a bit of what I love about this woman with people. And, um, and so I went in and I, I was, I sort of did a couple things like I did a little eyeliner, put some lashes on and had a little outfit yeah. on, but nothing too crazy. And I was in the waiting room and some girl walked out from her audition and she stopped and like covered her face. And she's like, please tell me you're going in for Liza Minnelli. And I was like, yeah, I am. She's like, you're good. You got it. And the casting director was like, wow, well, you don't look like her at all, do you? And I was like, yes, I do. I didn't know that I did. I didn't know there was a resemblance there. And then the more I went in, the more I loved the piece. And all of a sudden, one day, I was the only person they were seeing. And then the next day, I had it. Yeah. Oh, God. How exciting. <laughs> yeah, especially like for for like yeah. an icon like that, and for an icon that many right. people do a caricature right. of. You know what I mean? Because she has right. all these Manelliisms, I guess yeah. you'd say. I mean, like, how many times has she been like on Snatch Game and Drag I Race? I don't know, but yes, I mean, <laughs> so many people who lovingly pay homage to her and like. And she herself has, when you've been in the industry for as long as she has, you reinvent and you reinvent and you copy and you copy yourself. I mean, she, which was what was such a fun thing to go back to the source and see where she started. And that's where I got to kind of, kind of live in, which I'm, I'm grateful for. I just 
love her. She's just the best. That's so cool. <laughs> yeah. I, I love me a good period, period drama. Like, I Especially think, this yeah. period and yes. everyone is everyone. so fabulous. It's, so it's like ridiculous. And I, I just like learning about these people. Like, I didn't yeah. really know about Halston until the show the show was announced and I was just doing reading reading for it but just seeing you know sort of his um con contribution to the fashion industry it is it's just so fascinating and, yeah. and all the relationships yeah. that he had um I don't how I, I I mean it sounds like you're obviously familiar with Liza Melly, but were you familiar with with Halston and his work I knew Halston as a designer I knew um uh, that that okay. that he existed I knew his style I knew like what, what his signature kind of pieces were I didn't know his story and okay. I didn't know the whole um, yeah. through line of where he began. And what, what is fascinating about this and what I'm so excited for people to see and is that he was really the first, he was the first influencer and he was the first cautionary tale of influencing. Mm. He, you know, he, the fact that he was fashion, we're not talking about he was a designer. He was fashion. He was the godfather of American fashion. It didn't really even exist before him. Mm -hmm. The fact that people now, 30 years after his death, don't even know who he is, is a wild thing to know. So what makes somebody burn up yeah. so hard and bright and then fade so quickly? It's this tale of... of doing whatever you could to brand yourself in, in any way possible. And when that goes too far and he sold his name and he couldn't, mm. he had yeah. no control over his artistry anymore and then he died. And so it was like, it's very fascinating to watch this story. You, you see these a lot. Anybody who's ever successful has had some tumultuous ride there and maybe there's a big fall at the end. But to see the way that it came about right. of him being, being, so on the forefront of putting his name on everything and being everywhere at all times was is fascinating. Yeah, no, yeah. he wanted to put Halston everything yes. from your panties yeah, to and your I, bra. I, my favorite anecdote <laughs> is that he did but, yeah. an airline. He like designed a whole airline. The leather seats, the flight attendant outfits, the plates oh, and, and things that you use to eat on was all Halston. I would. I would oh, take Halston everywhere. Airlines any day. Like, over Southwest. Yeah. Move over Southwest. <laughs> it's was him. And it's like, so, and so I've been so inspired. And, you know, I, I always thought like the 70s was like avocado refrigerators and orange shark carpets and stuff. And so now that I've been immersed in it, I'm like, this is gorgeous. And what a time that was like was. post, you know, post liberation, pre destruction. And it was right. like people mm. living at their absolute fullest, and it was um, and just yeah. throwing yeah. anything to the wall and seeing what stuck. And that there wasn't a time like that up until that point. And so that means some of it's bad, but a yeah. lot of it's really good, you know. Right. Yeah. yeah. And, and I, I do feel like we're kind of almost entering yeah. that kind of era right now. I was going to ask you, like, yeah. do you see, just because you were able to immerse yourself in this world, do you see a spooky. lot of parallels that, <laughs> that are These parallels are spooky, happening today? Quite yeah. And, the, and, and yeah. we, um, we filmed, we started filming pre-COVID and then we shut down for six months. So okay. to come back to the show, we'd filmed mm -hmm. one episode. So to come back to the show, now in this era was really wild. Like New York is in bankruptcy, economic downturn. Our president is, mm -hmm. you know, not, I don't even know what else to say. I barely <laughs> think of the guy, isn't it amazing? He's just not. Yeah, he's the not the current guy. one, but the, the other one. The other one, yeah, yeah the previous anymore. one. <laughs> but that like, that, that yeah. <laughs> you know, the person in charge is corrupt and not working in the best interest of the country, that, that you know, um, art is needing to come out of the most inhospitable places that, um, and mm. that there's a virus raging that is indiscriminately killing people yeah. at, no, at every turn. Yeah. The fear of wanting to live and the desire to live as as authentically as you are at the same time and 
and what is preventing you from acting your full self. I mean, so mm. much of it was the same. And I read all mm -hmm. these things about, you know, I've lived in New York for almost 20 years and New York has only become safer since I've lived here. I mean, it really only has like the, it's become more hospitable for people to live, but it's not a guarantee. Mm. That is not, that's something we take for granted that I take for granted that I don't feel unsafe every time I go outside of my house, that there isn't, you know, um, you know, the, the subways were covered in graffiti, covered, you, you know, and like, you didn't take the subway past the yeah. time and you didn't even step foot in Central Park during the day. I mean, those sorts of things are yeah. stuff that we don't, uh, we don't even understand as we've lived here, uh, but the yeah. people were still moving here in droves and coming here for their dreams mm -hmm. to come true. And I think that's such a, such a mm. testament to what New York is. And New York is such a huge part of Halston's mm -hmm. life, Liza's life, Studio 54, and now this new era of where we're going mm. with, with New York now. This episode is brought to you by Lifetime's Robin Roberts Presents Mahalia. From executive producers Robin Roberts and Linda Berman comes the biopic of the legendary Mahalia Jackson. Grammy Award winner Daniel Brooks stars as the trailblazer whose music moved, inspired, and changed people's hearts. Critics have praised Brooks's transformative performance into the Queen of Gospel as thunderingly good. Directed by Kenny Leon and written by Bettina Jillowa and Todd Kreidler, this Lifetime original movie continues to inspire viewers and highlights the ongoing fight for social justice. Robin Roberts presents Mahalia for your Emmy consideration in all categories. I just think just Halston defined an era, like anything like people yeah. wore to Studio 54. Oh. There is a look that he had. And to think even before and, that, and he designed people, the pillbox hat for Jackie O. Like the most, the most restrictive, yes. the most structured piece that you could have, he then became this, you know, flowing. He celebrated like women's bodies in a way that <laughs> no one, everyone was yeah. molding their bodies at that point with pointy foundation wear and garments and girdles and nylons and all of that's gone all of a sudden. And it's simply about the drape of the piece mm. and how to how to accentuate everybody. Oh God, you know? gorgeous. <laughs> like I, yeah. I'm like enamored with him and just, I mean, I don't know if you watched the, there was uh -huh. also that uh, yeah. Halston documentary, totally. which is like fucking amazing. Uh, uh, and just what he did. I know. Like, it gives me chills. Uh, yeah. I always <laughs> um, like, imagine what it would have been like to like live back in the day, like back then. Like that's why I'm, like, I, know. I love period pieces so much. Yeah. I always yeah. like imagine myself like- <laughs> Yeah, me too. It wouldn't be the best. Like, oh, if I was Joel Schumacher, what yeah. would I do? <laughs> because yeah. he gave it to Joel like a lot, like in, well, in yeah. the first episode at least. And I'm just like, who he associated himself with, and I, I love how you and place him. Uh, it, it's it's you know I'm not gonna lie. There a lot of people are talking about you know it should be a gay actor or whatever, but it's it, it's interesting to see yeah. what he brings to the table for yeah. for uh for Halston um I don't disagree with that either but I do yeah. know that Ewan is phenomenal in it and yeah right. not, well, how could you not love Ewan like, and I know I've been the, crushing the on him the care that he took for this role <laughs> was meticulous and the input that he got from people yeah. um and the interviews that he conducted himself of it and and frankly, mm. I think that one of the problematic things about having people play other things is that they don't understand the experience and, and they're maybe nervous yeah. about 
what they look like, but we don't shy away from anything that Halston was. Ewan didn't stop from doing anything. He is mm -hmm. in every, you know, we, we, we show the drug use, we show the, the sex work, we show right. all of the things that, um, right. you know, if, if, if the, the worry is that those won't be told authentically, I hope that that is assuaged because we. Yeah. I mean, it's just like I said, it's 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 gorgeous to just watch yeah. what is, is happening on that yeah. screen. And like I remember like just seeing when you first are introduced as Liza and you're on that stage. Liza performing, the what's the name of the, that number? Which is a very Liza. Yeah, that's a very yeah. difficult it's a pattern like, song. Uh -huh. like, yeah. like chatty chatty. But yeah. when I was watching it and I was like preparing for you to come on, I was just like, oh, oh, okay. I was like, oh, she might do like just an impression, but I I saw Liza in it, but in the same time, I'm like, oh, you bought something to Liza, you know, that wasn't yeah. just like, Liza, that kind of thing. <laughs> because you could easily fall into that, like, you know, yeah. kind of caricature. And uh, I appreciated what, you know, and then like the chemistry between you and you and, you know, it's just like, again, if you see him say, Dino has been crushing on you since train spotting. <laughs> Just the it's so funny. Right? Like, I'm so, I shouldn't even say this, but like you know, when you when he, when we look like we do in the show, there's you, you know we're not like we're, we're characters, and now when we've been doing all this press, and I'm like, yeah, yeah. oh, you he's like he's not helping me. Every day I went to work with Austin, and now I'm seeing you in again. And I'm like, oh, nice. You were the I remember. I remember. I remember like one time, I think it was like a series of sexual awakenings. Uh, <laughs> there was this one time I saw him on an MTV like movie or music awards. I'm not sure what, but he came out like looking all, he had this sleeveless tee, his hair was all done up and he had like, yeah. he looked really punk. He's, and I was all, got, okay, let's do this. He's a, he's a very, you know, Obi-Wan. Come on, Obi-Wan. Yeah, I'm like, he sings. He and I would he's, sing musicals together. Oh yeah, he sings. Oh, that's right, he sings. No, Moulin Rouge. And um, I yeah, we used to like sing "Suddenly Seymour" from uh, Little Shop of Horrors together. <laughs> that song. Yeah. Oh my god, I love love song. love that song. I don't know if you've seen that one video of uh, uh who was it? It was oh, no. like, Ariana Grande and um. What's his name? The guy oh, who, family guy. What's his name? I always forget yeah. his name. Yeah, they're in a car singing mm. Suddenly Seymour. I bet. And I mean, Ariana I mean, kills it, of course. That voice. <laughs> and, and I also saw, I saw a, a production of that. Yes, with MJ, yeah. MJ Rodriguez. And George Salazar, yeah. And I wish George I could have seen it, but I bet it was. The and Amber Ryan yes. plays the plant, or yeah. Audrey. <laughs> Oh my God. Anyways, uh, but, but you know, you know, playing like now that, you know, you've played, you know, you've gone through playing Liza um, and, you know, in, in your cultural background, your, your history of, you know, just being an actress and knowing who Liza is, knowing who Halston is, what kind of have you learned about yourself and what have you taken away as a performer and even as an, an actor. Yeah. Uh, not, well, I had, human, I had this sorry. experience. Yeah. Um, I have a mentor and friend of mine, Susan Egan, who's a big Broadway performer. And also she's done a million Disney things. She was the voice of Meg and Hercules. And um, yeah. Okay. Oh my God, Meg. Underrated, musical, underrated. But also everybody loves She's not a, she princess. a princess. She's, she's a, a goddess. <laughs> Yeah. Goddess, there you go. Anyway, she once talked to me. Oh, yes. I was going through. I was in a Broadway show, and um, I was I was having some like vocal problems. And she took me out to lunch, and she was talking me through things. And she said that um, you know, you encounter the roles in the time in your life when you need to learn something from them. And so think about what you mm. need to learn from this woman. And I that has really stuck with me all these years. And I do. I try then if I can't understand it while I'm in it, at least after the fact, think about what have I learned from this woman. And the greatest gift that Liza gave me before I played her and that I got to embody and what I don't think I could put my finger on as a young performer when I first saw her is that 
she is not hung up on perfection. She's not hung up on placing things where they need to go. She has wild abandon. She is completely connected to all her chakras, but most specifically that lower one that like women of that time were not mm -hmm. connected to. If you were connected to that, you were sort of seen as a threat in the world. You were maybe looked at as a, mm -hmm. you know, a, a tramp or a, a whore. She was somehow able to be like, I am gonna live in this like groinal area of my life and still be America's sweetheart. <laughs> and the kind of, in a subversive way, not be, you know, a, a typical ladylike woman. And when you watch her in her numbers, mm -hmm. she's flinging her hair back, she's sweaty. She's like, it's almost, and I say this in the best term, grotesque. It's like, it's almost so mm. unappealing to look out that it's gorgeous. And I was drawn to that as a kid. I didn't yeah. know what I was looking at. And now that I am a woman myself mm. and I see how complicated it is to exist as a woman and to exist in connection with your body and your female parts and to like know that you're supposed to love them, but hide them, but be in service of, of men, but also be a strong woman, but also not show too much. And all, you know, there's so much calibrating that happens between yeah just existing as a woman that she subverted that. She thwarted that whole thing and we didn't even fucking know it, excuse my language, but like, and so, yeah. and oh, no, so I am like so thrilled <laughs> to enter into yeah. this new phase of life where I got to live in that body, in that movement for as long as I mm. did and just, you know, just take on the world after that. Yeah, I love how you say that because like we see that with a lot of female performers, you know, we see like seeing them sweat is right. like also like, oh, oh, you're human. Like we see Whit yes. like I remember Whitney performing right. and the, the Star Spangled Banner, yeah, remember yeah, the yeah, Super Bowl? She was like drenched in sweat. sweat, but she killed it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and then like Aretha, you see Janet, yeah. you know, Janet Jackson, they're doing like, it, they're she's working. a rock star. They're at Tina, work. It's like, like this is their mm -hmm. job and they're yeah. working. And I like, let's yeah, applaud exactly. the work. It's like, oh, yeah. you, you can't be perfect. Yeah, you can't be perfect. Um, well, have you met Liza? Are you nervous for her to see you? Yes, 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 <laughs> like, yes, how is yes, that yes, gonna yes. work? Um, so I, I, my only encounter, okay. true encounter with Liza was when she saw me in Spring Awakening. She saw Spring Awakening a hundred years Ooh. ago now, 2006. Mm. Um, and she was really mm. kind and met us all afterwards. So that's my actual like shook her hand, looked her in the eye encounter with Liza. I did not reach out to her while she while I was mm. doing this this job. Um, Ewan did, and Ewan got to spend some time with her. He was mm. it. He felt it was really important for him to be able to do that to tell her that her best friend was in good hands. I felt like um, I mm. didn't want to have to give her the pressure of giving some blessing of any kind. I didn't want to make mm -hmm. her have to feel in support of anything. Like I, I can't understand. I can't yeah. imagine how complicated that must be to watch yourself be portrayed over and over and right. over again. And it's never going to be right. what you know happened to you. It just isn't. So. Yeah. So I didn't want to put that, yeah. put either of us in that position. Um, but I do, you know, I hope if she watches it, I, I give her full reign to not watch it. And <laughs> not that she needs my permission, but just, you know, like, yeah, it's okay. I don't, I'm yeah. not um, basing anything on whether or not she sees it. But I, um, I hope that if she would, she would at least see how much care we took with her friend, herself, mm. her story. Yeah. Um, and that all of this is out of a complete fangirl and enamored love that I have for her. And I hope if nothing else that would come across. Oh my God, yeah. I mean, I, th I, I, I hope, I mean, yes. I don't know Liza, of course I don't. <laughs> what is Liza? Uh, but like, <laughs> but like based, based on your performance, I mean, I, I hope she enjoys. And like, I think it is, it is, it is a, yes. a an interesting thing yes. to play someone who's still living and yeah. who's like walking still, around still, and still singing. Still. Yeah, she just had a, <laughs> she's okay. I was like, I was 
gonna ask she is a little bit i mean she's you know older on in years uh she just had a big birthday and she'll put some um story instagram stories and stuff up of her singing and stuff but um i haven't seen anything about her actually doing a performance but of course none of us have done anything in the last yeah yeah exactly <laughs> i mean i just like even yes. just seeing her in her development is just like oh my gosh yes because <laughs> <laughs> it's like oh okay she kind of has she has a sense of humor she knows I what this industry her. is about she's a true, I, I love her i mean you know, she's a true like, actress she is a true like her stuff mm-hmm. in her early years she was just one of the best actresses and you know and now what she's able to rest on is that people take what she does and and keeps it going and yeah and it's going to live on she's she's yeah person her work is definitely going to live on um and i'm excited to see what else you have to bring like if it was the first episode i think you killed it uh so i'm excited to see the rest and see what you have to bring to this role um so uh this the show premieres um may 14th i believe yeah. Oh, so, oh my God, soon. <laughs> yeah. So, so what is what's next for you? What can you tell us? And or if you don't have anything, you can tell us. Is there anything that you haven't done, like a role or project that you haven't um, tackled yet that you're yeah, really a couple things. So right now, as far as what's next, a total pivot, a complete 180. Um, I started an interior design business that um, was born out of. Oh um, yeah. Yeah, I was born out of kind of COVID. I've always been um, designing and uh, my mom is does um, uh, real estate and she restores houses and does home renovations. And I've always been the designer for the family. And when COVID happened, I thought, you know, this is an opportunity to, when have we ever gotten a chance to like stop the one ride and see what the other ride could do. So throughout COVID, I was... um, Mm -mm designing houses I did some renovations and um and today actually the business launched so it's called curated curated oh, by Krista Rodriguez congrats. you can go find me on Instagram at curated.by.kr and, okay let me uh, see Um, we just came out the apartment came out in new york my apartment here in new york came out in the new york times today so there's some really fun stuff happening there um I designed my house in the in the vein of Watson and Liza. Oh God. Um, so I did it sort of as a loving homage to them. Uh, <gasps> <laughs> oh, come on, Instagram. <laughs> That's a house I did in California. This is, um, and then I have my house here. And yeah, I, I walked onto set after we came back from COVID and I saw Halston's set hot house. And I was like, this is so in right now. Like it was, it's all white and lush and there's travertine coffee tables and, and postmodern lamps. And I was like, I can, I can, I totally get this. I totally see where he is now and I can modernize this. So um, I spent a few weeks doing my house. And so that's where I'm launching with that. Um, so that's really exciting. And we're just adding it. Oh my God. That is so cool. You need your own, you need your own like. HGTV um, show? HGTV show. Maybe one day. <laughs> I don't know that I'll be able to see me in a reality show setting. I don't know what I could pass. I don't know. Most people who, you know, but um, who can. Yeah. Krista makes over your house. And I, saw, and you I would love to surprise people. people. I don't you want surprise- anyone else's opinion. I just want to go and fix their house, you know? <laughs> I don't care. You don't like this? Here's I don't thing. care. Yeah. This is what we're going to do. This is my house. It's so fun. But, um, but yeah, so I'm sort of, I'm ready to take on some clients and kind of treat it like I do, like I'd said earlier on. It's just another one of the jobs. And if, if, if that comes in and that inspires me, that yeah. role of being designer for that house inspires me, I'll do that. So, um, so that's exciting. As far as things that I have yet to do, um, I have been shouting from the rooftops for decades now that I want to play Sally Bowles in Cabaret, which made famous by Liza Minnelli. <laughs> yes. By Liza and, um, So even before I was Liza, I've been wanting to do Sally Bowles. So I always tell people, write your congressman, um, call, do a call in, write it in, <laughs> write in campaign for Chris Rodriguez as, as um, Sally Bowles. And in fact, when I announced that I was doing Liza, I, my caption on Instagram was still has not played Sally Bowles. <laughs> Oh my god! Yeah, I could so course. see that it's though. Like I, 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 I could see Even that. Of course, now Liza, I, I, you're I, just I, you're is right. And now yeah, I have to do it. So. Yeah. 
Yeah. That means that you're just like, this is like yeah. uh, one step closer <laughs> to being America's Next Top Model, you know? <laughs> I mean, it's, but this, I could see it. I could okay. see it. And I, I regret never, I, I've, I've never seen Cabaret on Broadway or a, a play. I, I always uh, wanted to see when Alan Cumming was, uh, was when he was on scene. Yeah. In fact, Susan Egan, oh. who I just talked about, she played Sally Bowles in the revival, uh, you know, 20 years mm -hmm. ago. And that's, that's the first time I saw it on Broadway yeah, and yeah. was like blown away. And that started my, my journey into wanting to play it. And I think I've perfectly aged into it now. It's time. I think it's the right time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's going to happen. It's yeah. going to happen. It, okay. We'll make it happen. Yes. Right. Um, okay, so we'd like to wrap up our, our, our interview session with the segment okay. we call the facts or the FAQs, just random fun questions. So your first question is, so in high school, and we all had one, yeah. everybody has a click, right? <laughs> Were you the jock, the band geek, the theater nerd, or the <laughs> well, social I was butterfly? obviously the theater nerd. Um, I, went to, I went to an arts <laughs> high school. So the theater nerd was basically okay. theater nerd slash jock because we... We were the popular kids because yeah. that's who everyone was. We had no sports, so I, I was a little bit of both. Yeah, yeah. Yes. I was, oh, I was not good at sports. Not. Good. Oh my gosh, I was totally the yeah. band and choir geek. Like I, I was. Yeah, I was in drumline though, which that gave me cool. a pass because so, I never played an instrument, cool. so I was never yeah. able to do band stuff. And yeah, yeah I was like just the theater kid and I just found where the theater kids are yeah. are popular but I play sports in middle school yeah. and I was terrible at it and I was like I was missing practice <laughs> to go to ballet class and I was that's where I was like you know why don't I do something I'm really good at instead yeah. of trying to do this thing I'm yeah. clearly not so yeah I remember yeah I in my Ooh. I sang tenor hey. one so I was like, yeah, I know, but high, I, I, I don't yeah, know if I could do that anymore. That it's, yeah, that was, that was that time. That, that, I was, I was terrible. Like, <laughs> um, okay. Uh, so do you, like as a performer, you know, do you have any weird or offbeat rituals you do before you start a new series or even like yeah. before you go on stage so to perform? I used to. Um, I was, my sort of claim to fame in, in Broadway was that I could eat fried chicken before every performance. Most, most singers, they had these like, you know, I have to steam and I can't eat any milk before and like blah, blah, blah. And I found early on that the superstition mm. made me more stressed out than the actual food itself. And that being happier and being mm. like free of all of that made it easier to perform. So I made a very conscious effort to just eat whatever I wanted, whenever I wanted. And it was always, it's like ask anyone I've done a show with, they're always like, we look, oh, I was a hundred pounds soaking wet. And I'm like, just like downing church's chicken before every performance. Um, Nowadays, I'm in my wow. mid to upper 30s. It's a little <laughs> harder and I don't do that. But I do insist on taking a nap between shows. I have to have a nap between shows. That oh, is like, yeah. no matter what theater I'm in, I have to find a space where every day I can take that nap. Just taking a nap. Oh my God, the, the, the fried eating. chicken or just eating. <laughs> I, I, eating before a performance because right. I remember like they would say make sure right, you don't right. drink anything dairy and like of course those are real for a lot of people but I just was like I want to I want to fight this <laughs> demon that might open <laughs> okay if we asked your closest friends and family what your worst habit is what, what would it be or what would they say I have a lot <laughs> Um, I think my worst <laughs> habit would be um, my need to be in control. Like my need to be right. Mm. Um, oh. That really bumps a lot of people. <laughs> but they love me anyway, thank God. Um, and I twirl my hair. I've twirled my hair since I was five years old. My, my dad is always trying to get me to stop and I'm like, it makes me happy, stop it. So it's like my nervous habit, I just twirl <laughs> my hair. Yeah. Mm. Okay. So you have been given an elephant. You can't get rid of it. What do you do with it? Wow. Okay. <laughs> I mean, 
Yeah, you're in New York. You have to. Yeah, I think that would just <laughs> give me the great excuse it. to like move to the middle of nowhere and live out my life with my elephant. And like, I was like, look, I, I had to go <laughs> live. I don't know where the best place is for elephants to live. So I would find the best, most hospitable elephant sanctuary place and go get a tiny house and live on there with my elephant. Yeah. Oh my God. I could picture that. You know, you're nicely my decorated. Nice, my well-appointed in the country. With my, with my elephant. With an elephant just roaming in the backyard. Yeah. I guess. <laughs> that could happen. I, I can see that. I could see that. I could see that. Somewhere here. It will happen for you, just like Sally Bowles. <laughs> okay. This is a would you rather question. Would you rather snitch on your best friend for a crime they committed? or go to jail for said crime they committed. So basically, yeah, basically, are you a snitch? What's so funny is that when you first, at the first part of that, I immediately was like, no, never that. I would never snitch on a friend. And then you're like, or you go to jail. I was like, no. Yeah. <laughs> this is hard. This was a hard one. That's a, oh, I would definitely, I not, I'm not going true. to jail for I'm anybody. I'm not going to jail so. for anybody, sorry. <laughs> No. If it was Sorry. the thing that so I committed, I'd go to jail. jail. But I'm not you... up for you. You own up. You go to right. jail. Yeah. I, don't make me snitch yeah. on you. Yeah, you know, th yeah, thinking of this scenario now, it's like you think, you're like, all if you, like, if your friend is not holding himself yeah. or herself accountable, that's not on me. then that's not your friend. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> yeah. okay I'm glad to support you right, saying that I'm but it's a snitch yeah. my friend. Yeah, yeah, I would just be all, yep, she did it. <laughs> like, Sorry. Yeah, interrogation totally. room. Yeah, she, it was her. No. <laughs> like, oh, we don't have time to waste. And we're off. <laughs> okay. Our, our final question is, is there an underrepresented voice in the, in the industry, whether it is an actor, writer, producer, or creator that is not in the mainstream that you think people need to know about and deserves more recognition from? Yes, Hollywood absolutely. I mean, I, the list yes. goes on and on, but the, mm -hmm. personally, I've been affected yeah. by um, a few years ago, I was able to do Spring Awakening again in the revival, the Deaf West revival, which is uh, was a new version mm. that incorporated deaf and hearing actors. And I was really given um, an insight into what they face as actors, um, not just as people who are deaf and what they, they wouldn't even consider a disability. They have pride in their deafness. They have a culture all their own. It's not, it's something that, that hearing people want to put on them as an affliction, but in fact, they're quite um, proud of that and how inaccessible the world is to deaf people and how inaccessible the business is. And on top of that, I was um, in that show, I was working with one of my best friends, Alice Stroker, who is in a wheelchair and another sort of realization mm. about you know, the, the Broadway theaters are not accessible. She won a Tony for Oklahoma mm. and she didn't even have yeah. a way in the theater. They're truly, they had to carry her downstairs to oh, get wow. her into the, to the theater and like bring her in the back yeah. with the, you know, there's like all these rigmarole that has to go around and I got to share a dressing with her. And fortunately our producers paid to have the dressing room retrofitted so that it was wheelchair accessible. But you imagine this woman has won a Tony and some, and Marley Matlin, the deaf actress has won an Oscar. These are some success stories yeah. and they're going through all of this. So imagine what right. this is every day, what you have to do to even get to that level at that point. So I'm really passionate about um, deaf actors playing deaf roles and getting, um, um, captioning in any way that you can and and, and and for that because these actors that I worked with in Spring Awakening are the I'm not saying some of the best the best actors I've ever worked with and it has nothing to do with whether they can hear or not and um so I yeah. am really passionate about raising that awareness for them and supporting them whenever they can and in fact Sandra Mae Frank who was in who's leading Spring Awakening was also in Daybreak with me and get to watch her work on mm -hmm. television and run the room and say, this is what I need. This is who I need this interpreter. I want to be able to say this line. I want, I think the interpretation of this should be this. I mean, these people have to do the work of 
10 people by themselves. And so if, if, mm, if any of that could right. be alleviated and or if mm. their voices could be heard exactly as they needed to be, that would really um, open a lot of doors for people, so. Yeah. Oh my gosh, yes. Yeah, thank Krista, you, thank you so much. For being yes, Krista, thank you. It, it, it was thank a pleasure so talking to you. And, thank you. There's more to do. I have more songs yes. and dances. So check it out. Yes. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.